Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon, and scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Everybody, thanks for tuning in to another Helping Friendly podcast. Quick hit. This is a quick hit from night two at the Verizon Theater, Grand Prairie, Grand Prairie in Grand Prairie, Texas. We're here with uh, Matt Matt Burnham, uh, aka the Real Burnham from uh, Twitter, and of course RJ's here with us too. Uh, Matt, uh, how was the show last night? Well, um, I think anyone who who's listened to it will say that the show had an an, an interesting. Um, set up the uh, the first set on a whole, I thought was very strong, continuing the string of strong first sets this four. Um, and then the, the second set um, didn't quite go the way that a lot of people were probably hoping it would. Um, but I think that there's, there's positives that we can take out of this. I try to be a very positive person. I think that there's stuff that is, is good in the second set. 
but I think that it'll go down as a not good second set in general. Well, you know, you could say that continuing the trend of good first sets, they decided to give you another one. Yes. I mean, I think, I think, I think the second set would have been a bad first set too, though. Oh, okay. Fair. <laughs> fair. Keeping with the positive if we can, but certainly being honest with ourselves. Let's, uh, let's take a look at that first set. So um, I, I'm going to jump in, start by saying I was really excited to see that they played Daniel Saw the Stone again. Even if it's just once a tour, let's keep playing it. Maybe I'll get to see it again. Um, but uh, let's talk about some highlights. Yeah, so um, I mean, obviously, Dana Saw the Stone is a great opener, as you just alluded to. Um, it kind of gets everyone just jumping really, really quickly, which you know I think for an opener, a short, little, fast number is a is a is a great thing to get the crowd moving. Um, from there, they went into Mama Dance and Chalk Dust Torture. Were pretty standard first set numbers. They stayed within their their bounds pretty good, but again, uh, high energy. Everything was was rolling pretty good there. Um, what I thought was actually there was a couple of different three strong sections in the first set that I thought were really, really awesome. And the first one was the city's foam waking up dead. Yeah. So the cities, um, it was a pretty standard cities, but there, there seemed to be a little bit more. I thought everything felt last night really precise. Um, and I'll talk about that more in the second set that, you know, that they didn't get outside their, their, their boundaries too much. Um, but it was played with uh, a precision that I don't think is always there. And sometimes that's good. That can show the band's locked in and the band is, you know, on, on the same page. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I mean, obviously there was the phone bust out, which I think broke Twitter for a couple people last night. <laughs> um, and that was, I, again, I thought it was played perfectly uh, for a song that has been played in about 70 shows. That's, you know, about the best you can hope for. Um, I agree with that. And, you know, I've, I've heard Trey and the rest of the guys in the band, you know, have their little flubs and foam throughout the years. And it just sounded to me, at least in the moment, I haven't listened back yet, um, to be really, really on point. Um, and then what was probably maybe the highlight of the show was Waking Up Dead, which had this great just breakdown in the second half of the song. Um, first big boat song on the, from the tour, or from, sorry, from the show. And um, I think it shows that that song has, has some deep potential, uh, possibly even as a second set number eventually, moving it into you know a, a little bit longer of a, a jam phase. Yeah, I think that what do you uh, think the, of those? That breakdown was really good. I think I think there there are legs there. Someday maybe they'll take them walking. Yeah. Um, after that was by the Sky and Perry last year, um, and. You know, the divided sky is the divided sky. It's, it's great. Um, the the venue in Grand Prairie, the Verizon Theater, is is pretty small. It's a pretty small theater. Um, I think it only holds about six thousand people, but I would say there's probably only about four to five thousand people there last night. Um, but the acoustics are all perfectly so. Like when you know they're doing like the pause in Divided Sky, it just it resonates and it's, everyone screams and you can everyone can see the band perfectly. There's no bad seat in the house. Um, which is kind of cool as opposed to when you're in like, you know, sack lawn and you can't you know, <laughs> like, um, for last year's and this year's, like when, you know, they're in the pause and they're doing all the builds for divided sky, it feels like you're like really in a moment, which is really kind of cool. Um, after that game, I didn't know, um, which again, they played last year as well with the, um, 
same banter that Trey did last year about being a Texan from Fort Worth, but everyone in Texas loves to hear the word Texas, so people love that. <laughs> um, and then the, the last three songs in the first set, too, I thought were ex- extremely strong. The Walk Away was rocking out cover, um, and I thought that was actually might be the set closer. I thought they were going to take it out a little bit, a couple minutes longer, and you know, kind of wrap it up. But then they decided to go back into What's the Use, which has been played a lot this, this year. But yeah. I don't think that there's really any reason for it not to be. It's uh, one of my favorite songs. And then the closer more, which I think is a perfect set one closer, and just you know gets the whole crowd screaming all the lyrics at the top of their lungs. First song that just debuted this this tour. Um, I think everyone's really really feeling that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a great set closer. Um, I haven't witnessed it personally, but I, we predicted it back when we did our our uh show on the uh on the album itself um came right out and said that i i could see this being a huge closer set closer for people and uh yeah glad to see that they're doing that so let's uh how about this second set so the second set was like i mentioned earlier, a little little different um during time from the faulty plan uh started it out which was a good standard version and we are hoping something really strong would come in the two hole. Um, but instead, um, they played back with number line, which hasn't played yet this tour. And I think everyone kind of knew that it would be coming. Um, and again, it was a very standard version. And one of the things, um, I mean, when we talk about this, you know, there's some songs in here that there's a lot of battles in the second set and there's a lot of, um, slower songs. And one thing I think is important to know is, is that none of the songs themselves are, are bad. You know, if you, um, you know, that makes it so it's okay because there's usually other stuff around there to fill the gaps. Um, it's just that it just seemed to keep, keep coming in this. Uh, on the number right. line. Um, yeah. People want a, a little more, uh, maintenance of energy, um, perhaps. Yeah. But about the middle of the second set, things got, it was it was a weird vibe in the in the room at that point. But um after backwards on the number line came Life Boy, which again was a huge bust out from I think late two thousand eleven. Yeah. Um and it, it was played again just in my opinion perfectly. Like they, they hit all the notes, hit all the changes, everything sounded really good. And then Meet Sick, which is it's another short version of Meet Sick, and then we got the line, which again hadn't been played yet this tour, but we got both lines with it's always good for a set. And then Tide Turns off Big Boat, which I think that was the point where I felt like everything kind of deflated. Like, all right, we're through the third quarter, we're going to the fourth quarter, and we got another another ballad song. And maybe, you know, this would be an extended taste jam like back in like 1998, but it didn't happen. No, but it, you and know, I thought it was a solid, solid enough taste. Uh, it, yeah, I think yeah. the, real, the real deficit is that at this point in the show, you're looking for what are they going to jam? Where's the where's the thing that we're going to walk out of here raving about? And uh, yeah. and so a, yeah, you're, you're a standard right. a standard good taste doesn't doesn't necessarily fit that bill, but taken on its own, um, I think people will. And and I think that goes for a lot of these track, a lot of the tracks on the show, taken on their own. People will go, oh yeah, it's not bad, but combined as a whole, it's not what getting to what people are looking for. Sorry, yeah, you're absolutely, you're, no, you're absolutely correct. That that's a hundred percent accurate in my book. Um, I mean, the taste was a very good version of taste. We were just, I was looking hopefully for something more at that point, right? Um, just because there should have been 
they were losing us. Um, after that came Friday, which I actually love the song Friday. Um, I last heard it at Coventry at the last time it was played way back in 2004. Um, and I, I love the sentiment in that song. I love the, 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 the yearning in that song. It was kind of a weird placement being in the middle of the second set again, but yeah, and it was played really well. They hadn't played it in 12 years and it was, it sounded really good. So was Trey just looking forward to Vegas and is that, that, is that, that, that yeah. we were kind of, we were kind of talking about that after the show, like where was Trey even just like emotional because he played a lot of his ballads because he was close to his childhood home, even though I don't think he lived in Fort Worth for that long no. or was he, was he, um, are they just, you know, holding off for Vegas that, you know, right, we got this big run coming up. Let's take the second set nice and easy and, you know, keep it, keep it low energy. Um, there's some debating back and forth on that. Yeah. And Matt, the band's going to do what the band's going to do. <laughs> yeah, Matt, how was your how was your um, overall trip? I mean, do you feel do you feel full full of fish and full of you know did did it did it do what you needed it to do for you? Yeah, it did. I mean, the, the first night was was really um, the second set uh, fourth quarter was I always wanted it that way. Um, and Piper, I thought were were strong strong choices. Um, I mean, that's that's the thing with with me at least. I mean, I try to say on the positive sides of things, anyone who follows me on Twitter kind of sees that I don't try to get into too big of negativity pushes. You know, even for the show last night, it was a fish show. Like it's, you know, there's, there's good shows and bad shows. There's better shows and worse shows, but I mean, I would still rather see fish over pretty much any other band. And maybe that's just a like naivety on my part or something where I'm not, you know, expanding my horizons enough, but you know, an average yeah. fish show is better than most other good shows in my opinion so i, I was i'm happy i won i mean I think I'm, I'm not upset i'm not you know saying i'm never going to another show again and you know throwing away my computer but. yeah uh well we're canceling the podcast after this episode right here so i can tell this is going pretty bad <laughs> no not you it's the show it's the show definitely so what no. um one thing i wanted to ask you guys just i was flipping through the set list um as you guys were talking about the um the big boat tracks and um surprisingly in alpharetta 2 there was not a single um, big boat track which i didn't realize until looking back at the set list but um every other show had like you know the most what is a city without its music the legacy of the new york philharmonic is incredible nearly two centuries of history that's a lot of music and a lot of stories i was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking i can't quite believe this is happening Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Bowie, 
Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. 